This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The redesign uh, sought to better identify emerging compliance risks and produce actionable information about compliance risks and controls for business teams and to drive accountability for improvements. The redesign also sought to better integrate anti-fraud and ERM into the risk assessment process. That was Matt Kelly. This is Tom Fox. Welcome to this edition of Compliance Into the Weeds, the podcast where Matt and I take a deep dive into a compliance topic. Today we look at the Commonwealth Edison first year compliance progress report that was recently released. Common takes an interesting approach, which ties directly into what the Department of Justice is currently telling us about their expectations of a best practices compliance program. Before we get started, a quick word from our sponsor. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Matt Kelly. The coolest guy in compliance, where I am recording from an undisclosed location for this episode, for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Uh, Matt, I wanted to start off our uh, session this week by relaying some comments by Kenneth Polite, or Polite, um, made at Compliance Week 2022, uh, live from D.C. this morning, and is one of, one of the keynotes, and the one of the most interesting things was um, that the DOJ really looks at your compliance program beginning with your risk assessment, and then do you build out your compliance program based upon your risks within the context of uh, the now 11 elements of a best practices compliance program. And I know you've been writing and thinking about that for quite some time, but you recently wrote a blog post on uh, our old friend ComEd and how... Uh, they were restructuring their compliance program. So uh, why don't you remind our readers who ComEd is and why they are reporting a compliance program? Sure. So Commonwealth Edison, ComEd, they are the public utility out in the state of Illinois, and uh, they are a large utility out in the Midwest. They're actually owned by Exelon, which is even larger and owns, I think, six different public utilities around the United States. But, uh, Tom, you know, for those who don't remember, you and I had a podcast probably about two years ago with ComEd that ComEd had uh, been busted by the feds on a domestic corruption charge that sounded very much like an FCPA charge just done right here at home in the United States, where ComEd... Uh, paid $200 million 
agreed to a three-year deferred prosecution agreement and implemented a raft of reforms for bribing state government officials in the state of Illinois, uh, where they were bribing um, cronies, henchmen, affiliates of the Speaker of the House of the state of Illinois, a man named Michael Madigan. Uh, Mr. Madigan has since been forced out of office and was recently indicted for his corruption. But, you know, long story short, we have heard this sort of stuff many times before overseas where large company paying intermediaries uh, or offering other things of value to government officials, in this case, Mr. Madigan, and he shepherded through various pieces of legislation beneficial to ComEd uh, to, uh, in exchange for things like hiring students from his district for internships or giving no-show jobs to various people that uh, were hangers-on in Mike Madigan's empire, or uh, making contributions to cronies who, I don't know, maybe were hired on as consultants but actually did not do any work. We've heard it all before. We've just heard it in emerging markets. Now it was right here in Chicago and Illinois. So ComEd had agreed to all of this. And then at the end of April... Uh, it submitted a progress report to the public, and it is available on file at the Illinois Commerce Commission, I think it is, uh, to talk about what ComEd has since done to improve its compliance program. And it agreed to a lot of very specific reforms. And the progress report that's now available is actually quite interesting reading for compliance professionals. If you are on your own journey to restructure your compliance program, either at the uh, wrong end of a federal investigation probe or you're just doing it for its own reward. But if you're looking for examples of how have other large companies with dysfunction in their corporate culture and in their compliance efforts, how have they straightened that out? Well, ComEd is by no means complete on this. I assume there's going to be more progress reports in the next two years. But this first progress report, one year in, is very instructive about all of the things that ComEd is trying to do, which finally brings us back to what you had mentioned before, Assistant AG Mr. Polite, talking about risk assessments. The biggest thing that I thought was most interesting was how ComEd rebuilt its approach to risk assessments. And from all else, we can talk about everything that flows from that, but really it is all about how do you do a risk assessment? And it made for some very good reading. So Matt, I'd really like to first start off with how ComEd changed the compliance risks it identified into broader categories entitled compliance domains. And what did you think about that? So I I thought that was a very smart way to do it. Um, Originally, Back in the 2010s and previously before that, back when ComEd was violating federal law. Um, So ComEd approached its risk assessment in a checklist way. They said they had 53 specific compliance risks that were inherent to Exelon, not necessarily just ComEd. But, you know, if you are a large public utility, you have a lot of risks. And they took this long checklist approach of 53 um, then they blew that apart. And let me see if I can write a, read out exactly what they were looking to do with the new approach. Um, the redesign uh, sought to better identify emerging compliance risks and produce actionable information about compliance risks and controls for business teams and to drive accountability for improvements 
The redesign also sought to better integrate anti-fraud and ERM into the risk assessment process. Love it all. Sounds great. So what does that actually mean? As, as you said, they dismantled the 53 specific risks and focused more on, I think it was a total of nine uh, compliance domains. So some of them, these are much broader categories, uh, securities regulation, state utility commissions, mergers and acquisitions, um, information governance, cybersecurity, EHS, human resources issues. Um, and because they're an electric utility, they have a big concern about reliability, resilience, uh, operational risk and security therein, uh, financial controls, and lastly, interactions with public officials. Because even after all of this um, unfortunate mess with Mike Madigan, any public utility in the United States, they still deal with a host of state regulators and local lawmakers and whatnot. Um, That's fine, so long as the interactions with the public officials are all above board. So those were the nine domains that they had. Um, Then this would have been, I guess, late 2020, early 21. Um, The ethics and compliance team, which is led by a man named Christopher Keyes, who is the head of ethics and compliance for both Exelon and ComEd, uh, Chris Keyes and some other of his top lieutenants, they would go around and they had workshops with business units. And they brought together executives from across all of the Exelon and ComEd empires. And then they would go and work through each of those compliance domains in detail. Uh, Every single one of the nine domains had at least one workshop. I presume some of the more important ones had multiple. Um, And then they would discuss things like how effective are our compliance policies? How about our controls and procedures? What adjustments might be necessary? Uh, They discussed fraud risks a lot. Uh, But it was a very consultive approach about big, broad categories of risk, not just let's look up the 53 or 117 or 92 or whatever other big long list of risks you might have at your own organization, get away from the checklist and start thinking in big, broad categories, and then bring together the business units and talk with them about, this is what we have to do. This is how we're trying to keep these risks in check. Do you think that works? What do you think does not work? How should we improve it? There's a lot of stuff like that. So that step really uh, intrigued me. It got suspiciously close to what Karsten Tams talks about in design thinking, but it brought a level of engagement with executives and other business unit representatives that we typically don't see in the risk assessment process. Did uh, anything strike you about these workshops that was a little bit different than what we typically see? You know, that they happen, that they happen in a disciplined way. Uh, I know that a large, large companies like to do something like this, and compliance officers, I think, largely as a whole, would probably love to do this. But I also know that a lot of companies probably can't do that. And I suspect businesses that don't give compliance officers sufficient autonomy and a chief compliance officer title this is probably not going to be happening. Because if you're just a director of ethics and compliance, and you're the senior most person, and here you are calling up the head of HR or the CFO to talk about, you know, doing a risk assessment. I don't necessarily know that that's going to happen. I think a lot of businesses that don't structure the compliance department with enough autonomy, they probably are going to default to the checklist approach. 
Uh, and Tom, the other point that I came to mind as I was listening to you, hats off to Karsten for talking about design thinking, because this consultive approach really does help you answer the big question, are the controls designed effectively? Um, once you know that is for sure, a whole lot more falls into place and it gets really easy. Um, testing, for example, documentation, remediation. If you're testing and documenting and remediating at controls that you're really not necessarily sure they're designed properly, but you're testing the control that you have to see if it works, you're doing busy work. And then eventually, because it's not designed properly, you might still have a compliance failure. And now you're talking to the regulators. Now you're talking to the board, all of whom are going to be saying, we thought you had this handled. And now you're telling us it would happen anyways. How did that come to pass? That's not a fun conversation to have. So I do think it's much more advantageous to engage in this consultive approach and really be thinking through the design of the control. And if you're doing it on a regular basis, once a year, you can figure out, well, this process here has changed, so I need to redesign the control. Or this business unit over here is expanding rapidly. I need to redesign that control or that process. It's really going to be worth the payoff down the road if you can invest that time earlier. And it's not just you, the compliance officer. It's everybody else in the business is going to have to be in that meeting with you, but it's worth the investment. Matt, you noted in your blog post that uh, ComEd would, after they identified the nine domains and had the workshops, would then move to manage the risks identified both in the domains and workshops. And then uh, there was a second step uh, they were going to take in addition uh, to take a deeper dive. Could you go into that part a little bit? Uh, so this is a progress report, and therefore that means they were recapping what they did in 2020 and 21 and what they want to do now in 2022 forward. So the second part that ComEd talked about that they're hoping to build on this year and beyond is uh, they want to go through all of those risk assessment results and then try and tie them back to a lot of the things that any ethics and compliance program would be doing. So they want to revisit Things like um, environmental compliance. They want to look at health and safety compliance. They want to look at the culture of compliance initiative that ComEd launched last year, apparently, to raise the importance and organizational awareness of good compliance. Uh, they want to look at training. They want to revisit interactions with public officials because that's what got ComEd in trouble in the first place. And I think they will always be looking at that. But there are those pre-existing set of controls and procedures that ComEd has had. Not all of them have worked well. Apparently, some of them worked rather poorly because they had the corruption investigation. But what have we learned from all of this really rigorous engagement for a better risk assessment? And we have all this insight about risks. How do we take those insights about what the risks are, what's working well and what's not? And let's fix the set of compliance stuff, activities, controls that we already have, let's make sure that they're all amended and so they're in sync with what we came up with from the risk assessment process. I want to translate that into advanced compliance speak, which is you go in a linear fashion from your risk assessment to risk management to continuous monitoring to continuous improvement. So if a regulator came knocking from the state or the federal level, uh, the ComEd compliance department could point to 
the evaluation of corporate compliance programs, the update to the evaluation of corporate compliance programs and what they're doing. And I think they could satisfy that they followed the script uh, as as amended, as late as uh, uh, Kenneth Polite's speech today. But you did pose an additional question, and I'm going to tee it up by reading it uh, for you and then really ask you, number one, where did you come up with the question and how do you think it plays out? So the question was, quote, how does ComEd plan to bridge the gap from compliance risk assessment to compliance report prepared for the brass, end quote? There is an awful lot of discussion in the ComEd report, and you know we could maybe talk about it another day. I have several posts about this ComEd report, um, about the reporting that uh, Christopher Keyes, uh, the chief compliance officer, provides to Exelon's board, to ComEd's board, and Mr. Keyes' boss, the executive vice president, I think, of audit and risk and uh, other various compliance initiatives, uh, David Glockner, um, the reports that they are presenting to management and the board talking about how the compliance program is working. So how do we go from talking with the board or senior management about compliance activities you're doing to overall compliance risk posture? Um, I do think that a lot of board directors, you know, frankly, I don't know that they need to know a lot about specific compliance activities, or you can put that in appendix. Um, let's say in ComEd's case, it could be an appendix of all questionable interactions reported on the hotline with uh, public officials. You know, that might be something that you could put in an appendix, but I think the board would really just want to know, do we have assurance that our interactions are working well? with public officials. Um, and if we don't, why isn't it working well? You know, is it not working well because we have 10 questionable interactions or 15? I, I don't think a board is going to get hung up on the difference between five and 10 questionable uh, interactions. They're more concerned about well, why is this not working or is it working? So I think about that a lot. There's a difference between reporting that your compliance program is busy because every compliance officer is busy. I have not met a bored, aimless compliance officer in 15 years um, versus is the program working well? And what you'd have to then know, well, against what standard? Well, here are all of our risks that all of the business units told me about. And here's the, what we're trying to do. And here's the broad category of what's working well and what's not. So that's what I'm curious to see is how this all matures and solidifies over time. We should give ComEd uh, a little bit of breathing room that, you know, they had a severe misstep. And this is the first time that they've rehabilitated their risk assessment process. And the first year that they're then taking it to compliance improvements and what we're going to report to the board. I'll be curious to see how that all works over time as this becomes a repeated and repeatable process in 22, 23, the rest of the 2020s and going forward. Well, Matt, I might even extend out your reporting uh, description or the answer to your reporting question to the regulators, whether that be in the form of uh, the deferred prosecution agreement where they have to report to the Department of Justice or if another set of regulators comes uh, knocking so that perhaps we can uh, add after continuous improvement uh, the reporting function. And uh, once again, radical yeah. compliance will uh, lead the thoughts on this topic. Uh, I do agree that I think we'll have the opportunity to revisit this. And I also agree uh, that we should applaud 
the compliance team at ComEd for what they have done so far and the, the public and transparent nature of it, whether it was required to or not under Illinois law. I think it's a big boon for compliance professionals in all industries. I, I would agree. This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. We've linked to Matt's blog post in the show notes, so I hope you'll check that out for additional information. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review as it would help in our rankings to get out word about this most unique podcast in compliance. Compliance Into the Weeds post weekly at Wednesday at 6 a.m. on the Compliance Podcast Network. I hope you will plan to join Matt and I again next week where we take another deep dive into a compliance topic into the week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.